Hello, friends. This is Darren Hayes of PigskinDispatch.com. Before we take you to your favorite Sports History Network show, just want to tell you a little bit about some merch that you can pick up that represents your favorite SHN podcast. So far, there's t-shirts, coffee mugs, and even books from some of the authors that do podcasts right here on SHN. Who could buy something better than that than have the history right from the, the gentleman that you hear talking about it? But we also are adding things each and every day. And where's that store, may you ask? Well, it's at SportsHistoryNetwork.com. Up at the top, there is the SHN. HN merch button. Click on that. It'll take you right to the store and you can be representing your favorite podcast and show the world that, hey, on the swag that I'm using, it's the headquarters of Sports Yesteryear, Sports History Network, and my favorite podcaster, the Sports History Network store. Shop there today. It's time for Lombardi Memories. A show that takes you back in time, into January or February, to the greatest one-day spectacle in all of sports. This is the Every Other Tuesday podcast that looks back at each and every one of the 50-plus Super Bowls and tells the story of who won and why. For the fan who needs more than just a box score, this podcast goes drive-by-drive, play-by-play, through the most dramatic games in history. I'm your host, Tommy A. Phillips, and you can visit my website at TommyAPhillips.com where you can find all of my books. Those include Nifty 90s, the stories of an amazing decade in pro football history, which covers this seventh Super Bowl of the decade and the next three as well. Today we have Super Bowl 31, which was held on January 26th. 1997, at the Louisiana Superdome in New Orleans, between the two-time now AFC champion New England Patriots and my favorite team, the 11-time world champion Green Bay Packers. If you're looking for the full story of this 1996 season, pick up my nifty 90s book, and you'll learn more than you ever wanted to know about that year and the rest of the 90s. As always, we have a pop quiz and then homework at the end of the episode. The pop quiz question for today is, who was the Packers' backup quarterback for this game? A clue? He once won a Super Bowl with a different team. The answer will come at the end of the podcast. The Green Bay Packers had come up just short of the Super Bowl the previous year in 1995. The Packers lost the NFC Championship game by 11 points to Dallas after leading in the fourth quarter. So, for 1996, they were one of the favorites to go all the way. They started out the season 3-0 with three blowout victories. Then they lost in Minnesota before running off five victories in a row. At 8-1, the Packers seemed unbeatable, but then they ran into three row games in a row. They lost the first two of them, including a horrible 21-6 loss in Dallas where Barry Switzer ran up the score in the final seconds so his kicker could get seven field goals and tie the what was the record for most field goals in an NFL game. 
But the Packers came back from a 9-0 deficit in the third of those road games, which was against the Rams. And they came back to win that game. And from there, it was smooth sailing with five big wins on their way to a 13-3 record. The number one seeded Packers faced a familiar foe in the divisional round. It was San Francisco, the team they knocked out the year before. This year, there was so much mud at Lambeau Field that the players were covered with it by game's end. Thanks to an early punt return by Desmond Howard, the Packers rolled to a 35-14 victory. In the NFC Championship game in a frigid Lambeau Field, the Packers got down early to the second-year expansion team Carolina Panthers, but they came back to roll to a 30-13 win and their first George S. Hallis trophy in franchise history. Quarterback Brett Favre won his second straight MVP award in 1996, throwing for 3,899 yards and an NFC record 39 touchdown passes for a passer rating of 95.8. The Packers had a powerful one-two punch at running back with Edgar Bennett and George C. Levins, who combined for over 1,400 rushing yards and seven touchdowns. Levins scored 10 times, five on the ground and five through the air. Receiver Antonio Freeman caught 56 passes for 933 yards and nine touchdowns, and tight end Keith Jackson led the team with 10 touchdown catches. As for defense, defensive back Leroy, Leroy Butler, the newest addition to the Pro Football Hall of Fame, by the way, caught five interceptions and returned one for a touchdown while also picking up six and a half sacks. Defensive end Reggie White led the team with eight and a half sacks, and Howard averaged over 15 yards per punt return and took three back for touchdowns. The AFC offered the New England Patriots this year as their annual sacrificial lamb in the Super Bowl. The Patriots were not the AFC's first choice. That would have been the 13-3 Denver Broncos. But a 9-7 second-year expansion team Jacksonville Jaguars came into Denver and knocked out John Elway and company. Elway would be back, but for now, the coast was clear for New England to sneak into the Super Bowl. After starting out the season 0-2, the Pats rebounded to reach an 11-5 record. They then crushed the Pittsburgh Steelers 28-3 in the fog in the divisional round before knocking out those upstart Jaguars 20-6 in the AFC Championship game. The Patriots were led by quarterback Drew Bledsoe, who threw for over 4,000 yards and 27 touchdowns. He also threw a bunch of interceptions, though, 15 to be exact. 90 of his passes went to receiver Terry Glenn, who went o- went for over 
1,100 yards and scored six touchdowns. Tight end Ben Coates added nine receiving touchdowns. And running back Curtis Martin was a huge part of the offense in rushing for just over 1,150 yards and 14 touchdowns. The Pats won the coin toss and got the ball first. Bledsoe threw over the middle for receiver Son Jefferson to pick up one first down. But that's all the Pats would get, and punter Tom Tupa kicked it away. Howard was back to receive, catching the ball at his own 13. He zigged and zagged until he had 32 yards to the Green Bay 45, and that was the third longest punt return in Super Bowl history. Two plays into the first drive, Farr went with the long bomb to mid-season pickup Andre Risen. You know the scene. Farr throws the touchdown, Risen high steps into the end zone. Farr runs off the field in joy, holding his helmet high in the air. It was a 54-yard touchdown, and it gave Green Bay a 7-0 lead. On the second play of his next possession, Bledsoe was picked off by defensive back Doug Evans, who made a one-handed juggling interception at the New England 28 on the sideline. The Packers were in excellent position to put this game away. As a Packers fan, I was thrilled, and so was my dad. It's going to be a blowout, my dad exclaimed. But linebacker Todd Collins sacked far for a 10-yard loss, and a pass to Levens wasn't enough to pick up the first down. So, kicker Chris Jackie came out and made a 37-yard field goal to push the lead to 10. The Patriots then came to life. Bledsoe threw a screen to fullback Keith Byers, and he moved the ball into Green Bay territory for a first down at the 47. Next, Bledsoe dumped it off the Martin who evaded tacklers on his way for a first down at the 28. Facing third down, Bledsoe went long for Jefferson, and while he couldn't complete it, he drew a pass interference penalty on Packers defensive back Craig Newsom. On the next play from the one, Bledsoe went play action to the back of the end zone, finding Keith Byers for the touchdown, one-yard touchdown. Patriots were up on the board but they were still down 10-7. But this is the point the Packers' offense really started to struggle. They went three and out here, and the Pats got the ball back at their 43. Bledsoe went play action the Martin to reach the midfield stripe before going deep. On this one, he found Glenn down at the Packers' five. On the next play, he hit Coates for a touchdown, and within a blink of the eye, the Patriots led 14-10. It was the first time ever that the Packers trailed in a Super Bowl. It also marked the highest scoring first quarter in Super Bowl history. Far in the Packers offense couldn't do anything on their next two possessions. On one, linebacker Teddy Bruschi sacked far to end the drive, and on the other one, Far out a pass deflected incomplete on third down. Fortunately for the Packers, their defense was playing just as well. They forced a pair of three and outs by New England, 
including one where Bledsoe threw three straight incompletions. The Packers got their ball back at their 19 after a Tupa punt. It took just one play for Farr to strike. He fired down the right sideline for Freeman, who pulled it in and rolled 81 yards for a touchdown with no resistance or any chance of a Patriot catching him. It was the longest touchdown pass in Super Bowl history, and it put the Packers back in front, 17-14. Leroy Butler sacked Bledsoe the force a punt, and Howard returned it into Patriots territory at the 48. Far through the rising for a first down over the middle, and he got to the 24. Next, Levens ran it down to the 11 for another first down. Far couldn't connect with Ryzen on a third down pass to the end zone, so the Packers took a 31-yard Jackie field goal to go up by six. Bledsoe threw an interception of defensive back Mark Pryor, and he returned it to the Packers' 26. Farr started the new possession with a pass to Jackson for a first down. Next, defensive back Otis Smith got called for pass interference on a pass for Freeman. Farr went right back to Freeman to get another first down. Levins carried a couple times, and he moved the six twice, or no, just once, but he did get it inside the 20. Edgar Bennett took a carry, then Levins got a couple more carries, got it down inside the two, and there was inside the two-minute warning as well. The clock was approaching one minute. On the next play, Farr scrambled to his left and went for the pylon. He reached the ball out across the pylon, barely scored. It was it was uh, close to being a fumble before hitting the pylon, which would have been a touchback. But fortunately for the Packers, he scored that touchdown, and they led 27-14. The Patriots got a chance to match the score, with Coates catching a first down past the 40, and Glenn catching one near midfield. Facing fourth and two, Bledsoe almost had a pass picked off. It fell incomplete, and the Pats turned it over on downs. Farr immediately suffered a sack, and Packers head coach Mike Holmgren chose to just let the clock run out. The Packers went to the locker room with a 13-point lead. The Packers got the ball to start out the second half. Bennett ran for a first down at the 41, then Chamora caught a pass for another first down. Far went to fullback William Henderson to get within a yard of a first down. The Packers soon faced fourth down on the Patriots' 37. Mike Holmgren said to go for it. Fox announcer John Madden suggested a quarterback sneak by Far, but instead the Packers went with a long hand off the Levens. It didn't work as linebacker Ted Johnson made the stop to force a turnover on downs. The teams exchanged punts, but the Pats flipped field position thanks to a Smith sack. They got the ball back at their own 48 after a punt by Craig Hendrick. Martin ran for five, 
And then Bledsoe found Coates on third down, who juggled it before bringing it in, got the first down. Next, Bledsoe went to Jefferson for about nine yards. Two plays later from the 18, the Red Sea parted, and Martin ran right up the middle for a touchdown. The Patriots had now pulled within six points. The play everyone remembers from this Super Bowl is the next one. Desmond Howard caught Adam Vinatieri's kickoff at his own one. He followed his blockers in the wedge, then cut to his left. Once reaching midfield, the only one left to catch him was Vinatieri, and that wasn't happening. Howard went 99 yards for a touchdown, doing a robot dance as he crossed the goal line. The Packers now led 33-21. to 21. The extra point team came on the field, but Farr rushed out and called timeout to set up a two-point conversion. The offense came back out, and Farr found Chamora in the back of the end zone for the two points. It was the first two-point conversion for a Super Bowl winning team, by the way. And the Packers led 35-21, well on their way to victory, thanks to that longest kickoff at the time in Super Bowl history. It was at that point that Reggie White took over the game. He sacked Bledsoe on consecutive plays to force a punt, and that was the end of the third quarter. White used his hump move on the first sack, pushing aside his opponent. The next time, he just came too fast for his opponent to block him, and both times, Bledsoe never had the chance to get the ball out. The Packers led by 14 going into the fourth quarter. The team traded punts again, and Bledsoe then threw an interception to Newsom. The Packers had a chance to put it away, but they didn't. They played rather conservatively, while New England head coach Bill Parcells called his timeouts. Packers brought out Jackie to try a 47-yard field goal, which would have covered the 14-point spread, but he missed wide to the right. Patriots now had a technical chance to come back, and a chance to cover the spread, too, but it wasn't happening. First, defensive tackle Santana Dotson sacked Bledsoe to force another punt. The punt was a curious decision by Parcells, given that his team was down two scores with four minutes to go in the game. Didn't make much sense that he was punting there. On the final drive, White got his third sack of the game, and that set a new Super Bowl record since sacks became officially tracked in 1982. Finally, Newsom made a hit to deflect the pass to linebacker Brian Williams for an interception. The Packers could run out the clock. Taking the final kneel downs for the Packers was far, much to Madden's chagrin. He wanted backup quarterback Jim McMahon to have that honor. McMahon, of course, won Super Bowl twenty with the Chicago Bears, the Packers' heated rival. He is the answer to today's pop quiz question. Madden voted for Farr to win Super Bowl MVP for his two passing touchdowns and one rushing touchdown. 
The voters disagreed, as did Pat Summerall, who went for Howard. It was hard to argue with the choice. Howard set the all-time record for most return yards in a Super Bowl with 244. But if you want to give an MVP award to the second best player, it might be far. He passed for 246 yards and ran for another 12. But then you'd also have to give strong consideration for Reggie White, who set the Super Bowl record with three sacks, a a mark that has been tied several times but never broken. I'd go with far, though, since White's sacks came after the Packers had a big lead. And if you wanted a fourth player, you could go. You couldn't go wrong with Freeman. He caught three passes for 105 yards and that record-breaking touchdown. The most valuable player on the losing team was Ben Coates. He had six receptions for 67 yards and a touchdown. He was a reliable target for Bledsoe, who had a rough day. In fact, Bledsoe's my pick for least valuable player thanks to his four interceptions. His passer rating was a mere 46.6. It was just not his day against the powerful Packers defense. Who is the best player you don't remember? I'd have to go with Newsom. He had an interception, and he uh, set up an interception with a big hit at the end. He was generally a menace on the defensive side of the ball. But... For his career, he only caught four regular season interceptions, though he did have one here in the Super Bowl. And sadly, an injury cut short his 1997 season, and he would never have this success again. The biggest play, of course, was Howard's 99-yard kickoff return for a touchdown that turned the game on its head. The Packers never looked back or were challenged after that point. The biggest play no one remembers? Well, surprisingly, it's the 81-yard touchdown by Freeman because everyone remembers Howard's return. Everyone remembers Farr's throw the Ryzen. Everyone remembers Ryzen's catch and Farr's celebration and Howard's records. No one remembers that the all-time record for the longest pass reception was set by Freeman, although it was later broken by Musin Muhammad seven years later for the Carolina Panthers. Oh boy, if you want me to give you homework, I've got about 10 books I could tell you to read. There's so many books I have that I haven't even had the chance to read them all. And talking about the Packers, including the Packers of 1996. Uh, Let's go with two of them, though. I'll give you two. Here's one, Green Bay Replay. The Packers Return to Glory by Dick Sapp. And how about this one? Ron Wolf and the Green Bay Packers, Mike Holmgren, Brett Favre, Reggie White, and the Packers Return to Glory in the 1990s by Michael Ballman. Both are excellent, brilliant, well-written books. and used to read them even if you hate the Packers or don't like them. I can't say enough about how good these books are. Next time, which will be in two weeks instead of three like the last couple of podcasts, we will find out if the Packers can repeat as Super Bowl champions and go down in history as a dynasty. Who's standing in their way? 
none other than John Elway, who has lost his three previous Super Bowl games that we have covered on this podcast. Will the NFC's run of 13 straight Super Bowl wins extend to 14? Or will the Broncos finally break through for that first ring? Find out next time or find out by reading my book, Nifty 90s, The Stories of an Amazing Decade in Pro Football History, which you can find by visiting my website, TommyAPhillips.com. Until then, this is Tommy A. Phillips. So long. Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Each week, the official Football Learning Academy podcast will take you deep into the history of pro football through interviews with players, coaches, or administrators in the NFL, as well as interviews with Pro Football Hall of Fame selectors, authors, and historians. You'll learn how the game evolved and important moments that shaped the sport into what it is today. And don't miss the Pro Football History Nugget of the Week. Listen to the official Football Learning Academy podcast on the Sports History Network. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.